Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of Passion Project, the podcast about passionate people and the things that drive them. I'm your host, Taylor Reed. Welcome, welcome, guys. Episode 71 of the podcast. Hope you guys are having a great week on this last Friday in October. Hope you guys are doing well. Here we are, almost November, you know, we're almost, we're pushing through the last two months of 2021, and I don't know about you guys, again, I've said it on the show before, but it is flying by, and I don't, uh, pretty soon we're going to be in 2022 and be like, where where are we right now? Um, also, hope you guys are excited for this Halloween weekend, if you're listening to this in real time. Uh, I don't know about you, I have this feeling about Halloween that... And I know many on the internet share this sentiment, so it's not original whatsoever, but I feel Halloween should be, you know, one of those holidays that is always on one day, like on the weekend, kids should be able to, you know, look forward to it, not on a school night so they can stay up and eat their candy and all this, so um, interesting that it's on a Sunday this year and that we'll see, you know, obviously it's been on Sundays before, but uh, we'll see how the kids do this year with that. Um, I am not dressing up this year. Maybe I will dress up. Maybe I'll go trick-or-treating. Who knows? You know, if you're in the greater Virginia area, that's a, it's a pretty big area. <laughs> if you're in that area, maybe I'll, I'll see you trick-or-treating and I'll, and I'll say hi. <laughs> uh, if you are joining with us for the first time, welcome to the show. Hope you are doing well and thank you for, um, spending this time with us on, on Passion Project. We really appreciate it here. Um, if you're listening to us on iTunes, go ahead and give us a star rating and a review down below. We'd love to hear from you as well. And um, if you want to reach out to us on the show, you guys can you know, send me any questions you have for me, any guest recommendations. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can email us at passionprojectpod.org at gmail.com in the show notes below. Yeah, we would love to hear from you. Also, follow us on social media if you um, are a part of that fun, big, crazy, toxic, but also amazing world of social media. Follow us there, passionproject.pod, all of that in the show notes below as well. This week on Passion Project episode 71, we have such a wonderful guest. It's Jake Utney. Utney, guys, he is so much fun and it is uni i just want to i want to say that right up front i mean i did ask him about it in the episode as you guys will hear but i did ask him so you know don't come at me it's that's the right pronunciation um jake is an airline pilot currently for american eagle airlines uh, which yes is a thing we will talk about it and we get to talk about all about how his dad was an airline pilot and how he was inspired to go into the family business essentially so without further ado here is episode 71 with jake utney on passion project yeah so it's been interesting but you know we're trying to we're doing our best (laughs) yeah yeah. Well, that's good, man. Yeah. Uh, well, welcome, Jake, to the show. I'm I'm so yeah. excited we were able to get this done, and I yeah. appreciate you taking out the time. Yeah, it's exciting to be on. Yeah, it was funny. I was talking to my parents before 
we were recording and I was like, oh yeah, I'm having a friend on that flies for like, it's an offshoot of American, I I assume. Yeah. And they were like, how do you know him? Like, they were like, how do you know someone that flies? And I was like, oh, we went to college together. And they they just didn't even, they were like, weren't aware that I knew someone that flew. So um, it was, it was funny. Uh, But I'm so excited to talk on. I feel like airline pilots are one of those things that people are so fascinated in, but just like, don't really know that much about it. I don't know how you feel. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Like everyone is like, oh yeah, I could totally do that. But it's almost like, like I've had a comedian on the show and he, and it's like one of those things they're like, oh yeah, I could totally do it. But then you get to it and it's like, no, it's actually harder than it looks. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I will say I get a lot of questions. Like when I meet new people, I get a lot of questions about like, Oh, what's this? Um, it's a great job, but I will say I have learned to, before I started flying, I was, I wasn't really introverted, but you get really good at make of making conversations with people when you have two hours in a metal tube together and nothing <laughs> else to do. That's good it's like, all right, well, let's find a way to make a conversation here. Maybe we should have done this in an airplane. In, yeah, in an airplane. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's my <laughs> element. Actually, so. I remember several times. So for people that don't know that are listening, we Jake and I met in college. First of all, actually, I do want to say, is it Utney or is it you? I guess someone said it was Utney once. Yeah, it's Utney. It's Utney. So, okay. Yeah, I tell people it's like Mutiny. Like the word mutiny, but without the M. So where does that come? Is it, what is the origin of that? That is an interesting story um, because the name is from a town in Norway. Oh, okay. So there is, um, there's a town of, and it's funny because it's actually pronounced Utne, mm-hmm. a town of Utne in Norway. And it's very, I want to go sometime. It's very, it looks very pretty. You but, um, I'm actually not Norwegian though. So uh, like somewhere way back in our, in our family history, mm-hmm. um, someone got remarried, like, mm-hmm. uh, my great, great grandfather passed away. And then, uh, she got remarried to a mutiny and then just took the name after oh, okay. all their kids. So mm-hmm. we adopted the name, um, but I'm not Norwegian. Um, do you know what your what the original name was, or do you, you don't? I think it was Peters. I want to say okay. something English. Wow, so different. <laughs> it is. It is. It's really different. And I've had people like look at, like that have looked at my name without seeing me, and they're like, "Oh, I'll have like international student or <laughs> international instructor," and I'm like, "No, I'm yeah. about as white as I can <laughs> possibly get." I guess that kind of plays with Sweden, though, right? Like, yes, that yeah. is very. <laughs> scandinavian but yeah so that's super interesting i I, how different your life maybe would have been if it was jake peters like i it is crazy it is (laughs) have you ever thought about that what's that have you ever thought about that i have never thought about that actually but i will say though it's kind of cool because my first name my middle name and my last name were all four letters so intentional no, not, no, I don't think it's intentional, but yeah. You like to think it is. You're going to pass that along. Yeah, I'll pass that on. Yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah. So, well, I've, I've talked about it on the show, like middle names are like kind of useless. Like 
why why do we have them it doesn't really make any sense i think it's really just a way for parents to put their own name in it (laughs) yes sometimes Uh it's definitely like how can we because the first name especially nowadays is like they want people want to be artsy and trendy with first name yeah but we also need to find some way i don't really know why we do this but we also need to find some way to like pay homage to like family yeah like yeah yeah, i'm gonna name the middle name is gonna be after like yeah an uncle or something right (laughs) yeah an uncle that meant something the last name that's what the that's what the last name's for (laughs) so i don't know why we're doing this for the middle name (laughs) that's so funny i know it yeah the trendy name is so true i actually know someone whose kid his name is arrow and for which is like the most like out there name I've ever heard but it yeah. actually like really works for the little boy yeah. the little kid and at first we all were kind of like really arrow but then like it like works so well now that we're like oh yeah. okay it's cool yeah but, now my wife and I have talked about like first names yeah and I really we both really want to name if we have a son uh jet oh hey, that's great that would be pretty cool yeah. I like that i like short and sweet mm-hmm. that's a name that you could say just if he's doing something wrong just shout it really quickly get his <laughs> attention. but so also kind really, of goes along with your line of work too that's like, right it and and it goes along with my career so that's yeah. you that's couldn't name someone like air or like fly yeah no yeah. yeah 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 you need to have a name that you can like grab his attention really quickly but yeah that's That's awesome that's so funny yeah we i mean we my wife and i talked about like baby names probably earlier than like anyone should in their relationship yeah (laughs) like i think like four months in we were like do you like this name do you like this name and even still like every couple of months we're like what about this name like we're constantly kind of talking about it which i wonder if other couples do but it's a funny thing yeah Uh, Well, I love, I mean, we're going to get into what you do. Of course, you're uh, a pilot. You also are, are are you still instructing or are you? I'm not currently instructing, but I've been that for three years. Yeah. So So I I definitely want to talk about that, but I love talking about people's origin and like where they come from, because again, with you being with us meeting in college, it's one of those things where I don't know if you've had this experience, but you'll meet people in college and you just kind of like talk about like current, current day, or like, you don't talk a lot about like where you came from or like how, like, so I don't know a lot about your background for those that I think, I believe you and Josh were roommates, right? We were. Yeah. 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 So So for people that have seen the, uh, seen Josh's episode, we, We grew up, we essentially grew up together. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah I'm from, I, w- I was a military kid. So I'm originally mm-hmm. from Arizona. Um, yeah. But we ended up um, moving to Virginia, um, like Manassas, Virginia area, DC mm-hmm. area. And so I kind of, um, I grew up in the church and that's where I met Josh through. So I actually, met our um mutual friend ryan um through baseball mm-hmm. as a you know six or seven year old you yeah. play baseball and then um ryan's dad invited our family to church um which josh's dad was was one of the pastors at so mm-hmm. i met ryan and then i met josh and we, we grew up together so that's so cool wow yeah, really cool. 
So was what other places did you live in? Did you or, or was Virginia the main place you kind of grew up in or were there other places you moved to? Yeah, I um, I was born in Arizona. We lived in Alabama for, I think, two or three years. And then um, my dad got out of the military, out of the active duty military. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, he's an, also an airline pilot. So yeah. um, he moved we moved up to Virginia to be close to his dc base was he uh, based did he do a lot of flights out of dulles was that his main yeah dulles yeah. and reagan national and reagan yeah. national yeah, mm-hmm. yeah 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 so that's really cool that's yeah really, well I, being a military kid was that a big presence in your house like was military a big was were you aware of that like growing up yeah. or yeah yeah it's def it's a it's funny because i'm not the typical military kid like right. most military kids move around very often in there. I basically from the time I was five to when I went off to college, I was in the same place. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause when we moved up to DC, he got a, out of the active duty military and went into the guard, which yeah. the guard is located in each state. So mm-hmm. you usually don't move around if you're in the guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but yeah, to answer your question, there is, as a military kid, there's a, a more presence of um, pride in the military and then pride in your country, too. Because yeah. that's my, most people that aren't in the military, including me right now, like we don't, the thing that we serve is not like we don't give an oath to our career or our job. Right. Right. In the military, they do. So it's, there's much more higher sense of, um, duty to the country there yeah. so so do you remember any of those moves at all like were they were they um instrumental at all into your your growing up process or, or was it just you don't really remember a lot of them honestly i don't i don't remember the move to alabama mm-hmm. i do remember the move to virginia um but not it wasn't necessarily instrumental in how it formed me. Yeah. Um, I would definitely say that I'm thankful for how it turned out just mm-hmm. because it's, I will say it's really nice for a kid growing up to have, to be in a stable area for some yeah. of them. So it allowed me to make friendships with Josh and with other people for the long run that I could lean on even mm-hmm. now, you know? So yeah. Yeah. that was helpful. Do you ever think about like, I've talked about it on the show before, like this place raised me, like this is the town that like really like made me the person I am? Yes, I do think, um, I think it's funny you say that because it's it's so weird. Like my wife is from, my wife's from Tennessee. So mm-hmm. she's from the South. Yeah. They have a much more sense of this town, this place raised me. Mm-hmm. Than, than some other places. Yeah. And I would say I do like, I do have some sense of pride that I came from Northern Virginia mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily because I came from Northern Virginia, but it's the embodiment of the people that I knew there, my friends that were there, you know, my parents still live there. So um, it's, you know, those types, types of places mold you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not because of the place itself, but because of who lives there now. Yeah. Well, think about how different you would have been too if you did grow up in Alabama. Like such a different. Yeah. It's place. very different. 
than DC. DC is very, I mean, obviously very political, but also, I mean, DC area, you were around the DC area, but um, also very diverse, I'm sure. Like you really grew up with a lot of different kinds of people. Is that something you look back on and you're, you're like, what are your feelings around that? Are you grateful that you grew up in such a diverse area or? Yeah, it's, it definitely helps in understanding ever a different people's backgrounds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, um, it's mainly like the DC area has a very different culture than other places. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if I really realized that until, um, I started dating my wife mm-hmm. because then I brought her to the, to where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow, this is very different just because <laughs> it, DC is a political capital. I yeah. mean, it's, um, and a lot of, a lot of people that live in the DC area are not from the DC area. Mm-hmm. Um, so like in Charlotte, the, the joke in Charlotte is that most people that live in Charlotte are not from Charlotte, mm-hmm. but there is, you know, in the surrounding area, there are a lot of people that are from that area. Yeah. And that's how it is in most places. Most people that were born there either stay there or they go somewhere else and then they come back. Mm-hmm. DC, most of the people that live there are government workers. Yeah. So, um, and only stay they, for a certain amount of time. And, right. Yeah. Right. That creates a certain, uh, it's good in the sense that like you, you have all these kinds of people with all these different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And so it's good. It's especially now as, as an airline pilot, I fly with all different types of people. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, it's good to be able to relate to and understand those people. Uh, but it also that kind of like there for two or three years and then move away, that creates a certain interesting culture that not a lot of other cities have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was a good, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I think it, it, it was a good thing um, to be able to relate to different people. Was politics this like looming thing around the area like it was something that was obviously so close that you were just so aware of it or was it something you were interested in or were you just like now nah, I don't really want to like learn about it because we're so close to it I I went through waves I think yeah. with politics um I will say it's very I know people who like worked in on Capitol Hill they worked in DC and the politics is very different for people for everyday people than for the people that are doing politics, mm-hmm. you know, for, for people that are the pe- for people that work in that environment, like they work on Capitol Hill, they work. It's, it's a job to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and for, I think for a lot of people in the country, um, you either are just, it's politics. They don't talk about it or they're way too invested in politics. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's definitely interesting um, to see there is you know, for people that work in the government to them, it's to them, it's a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. I went through times where I was like really invested in politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, and I still kind of hold to this where like, I don't really post my opinion online about a lot of things because yeah. there are so many people on Facebook or Instagram that will post their opinion about things, right. especially with COVID 
And, you know, I'll, at, at times I'll repost some things, but I'm not going to just go up there and share like, oh, this is what I, here's mm-hmm. my conspiracy theory on what I, I believe or whatever. Yeah. I just, yeah. um, those kinds of things kind of, I think, degrade our, our um, conversation a little bit. Well, yeah, it's way better to just have a conversation with someone than to just post something and hide behind this thing and that can cause us whether you know people agree with it or not it can cause this like storm of of like hate sometimes right <laughs> and it's like, and it, oh. yeah it's very easy and and this doesn't have to just be about politics it's right. it, i think you, the way that you talk to someone face to face is very different than when i'm like texting someone or yeah. or posting something on facebook because i don't see like if I say something to you right now, that's offensive to you. I will see how that affects you yeah. right now. Whereas on Facebook, I don't see that. Yeah, I don't see that over text, and that's why I, th- I think a lot of and you know whether their opinions are right or wrong, um, the there's an emotional aspect to posting on Facebook that right. um, I think I think most people by this point know. Mm-hmm. They just do it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. They don't oh, care. Yeah. Right. They don't care. Boomers don't care about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, yeah, it's very interesting. So I wonder if we'll ever get to a day where it will just be, instead of like writing posts, we'll just like do a video of it, like of sharing, like not a video, but it'll just be all like us talking about it through a, yeah. Rather than like yeah. writing it i wonder if we'll ever get to a social media where it will be like that because then you can like see people's emotions ar- ar- around it right yeah that'd uh, be interesting yeah we'll see no. maybe i'll invent something maybe i'll become the yeah new. that's the next that's <laughs> the next uh, social media platform yeah. Yeah. coming yeah. at you 2040 that's right <laughs> I, i'm interested too with growing up um where do you fall as far as like sibling dynamics and all of that like as sibling line and all yeah that? i am the sister, oldest right? of two oh, so i have one sister yeah oh it's just me and my sister yeah so I, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, it's always weird saying that <laughs> um but yeah i'm the oldest in our in the family do you what how are your feelings about being the oldest? like do you enjoy being the oldest were there certain like responsibilities you felt growing up or were you just like no nah, I'm not gonna do that <laughs> I I do um I like being the oldest because you experience things first mm-hmm. that's where like there is an advantage to being the youngest because you can look and go oh, I'm not gonna do that yeah but there is um you know I like experiencing things first like going to college first yeah you know, that kind of thing that, that was kind of difficult at first, um, because you move away, but then everything back home doesn't stay the same, but you know, you're on your own now. Um, well, you're changing and they're changing, but it's just like different wavelengths of changing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, but it it is funny though, because my wife comes from a completely different like background, Mm. just um she was the um she's the youngest by far yeah um she had let's see she's 24 and her brother is 40 oh wow so and her sisters are 38 and 36 i want to say 
Oh my God. And they all have kids. Yeah, really so, a surprise. <laughs> right. So like I was the youngest of, I have, a, I have a sister. And so when I go back home, it's just us four. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I go out there, they're, um, let's see, one of her sisters has five kids. And then her other two, brother, uh, her brother and her sister have four kids. So it's like, it's just a totally different dynamic. And I, I like it because I, yeah. I like interacting with, with the kids. All of their kids are great mm. um, in the sense that they're well-behaved. Like <laughs> they're still boys. Yeah. They're still, and you know, they're still young kids, yeah. but um, it's cool to, um, you know, at home at my house is much more quiet. And then we go to her family and it's like, this is kind of, this is cool, but yeah. it's a lot more, a lot is happening. Well, that's very similar with me and my wife. My wife's an only child, but uh, she, so it's really, and she doesn't have a lot of family still yeah. alive. So it's really just her and her parents. Yeah. And then I have two older siblings and now, and, and, but also a lot of aunts and uncles and cousins that we all get together. Right. So yeah, when she first started meeting all my family, it was like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> this thing yeah. you got to meet them in like little chunks rather than all together right but yeah it's interesting too i'm sure because that the dynamic of yeah being you know living with someone that has grown up basically she was basically an only child probably she was yeah, yeah. and you she were was. you were an old so that those dynamics i'm sure yeah. are interesting yeah yeah it is it, it's funny though because she she basically grew up as an only child. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they they still like they have a good dynamic. They get they get along really well, and they did when she was growing up. But you know her her siblings were basically out of the house. Right. But right. she was old enough to yeah. like not know any of them. So it's almost like a cousin, like coming to yeah or or, a, or a, an uncle or something. <laughs> right. Right. So. And it's, it's interesting too, for me to interact with them, you mm -hmm. know, because they're in a different stage of life than we are. Yeah. We're, we're basically for all intents and purposes, just starting out, you know, yeah. Yeah. they're, you know, they're in the throes of like raising kids. <laughs> yeah. Oh, which we haven't even started yet. <laughs> and so. you're like, I can't relate. I'm so sorry. Like, right. no, like I can't relate to, uh, you know, none of it's bad, but I can't relate to having five kids and you know so they're really nice but um sometimes it's tough to relate to totally totally so as the oldest did you because i've talked to a couple you know people that are older siblings on the show and as far as that because as the oldest there's that there is that like tend to be that responsibility either like did you feel any of that from your parents or was it self-induced or was it did you ever feel like you had to act a certain way around your sister to like show her different things or did you just not feel any of that? Um, honestly, I didn't really feel a lot of a, a sense of responsibility. Mm. Like honestly, out of the two of us growing up, she was pretty, she was probably the more mature one than I was <laughs> just because yeah. girls develop faster yeah. than guys. Yeah. And so it, it took me a lot longer to, I was a lot more thick-headed in mm. how my parents disciplined me than how they disciplined Rebecca. <laughs> Rebecca, yeah. Rebecca just did what she was told, and I didn't have that. I, I was going to do it my way and then mm. learn I shouldn't do it my way. 
So you weren't aware that like, even if you did it your way, that she would be watching you. You were just like, I'm going to do it my way, whatever. Yeah, she was, her attitude was pretty much just understanding that I'm doing it my way and also understanding that that's not the way to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was pretty much the, you know, she learned a lot faster than I did on most of that. So that's a, that's a, I mean, it it definitely is, I think, a more uh, like interesting way to go about it too. It's it's, you didn't feel, cause there is often this thing of like, oh yeah, I feel this. Like my parents are like, you need to do, you know, remember you're the example. And it's like, you were just like, "Eh, I'm just going to do my, (laughs) like, it's almost like by learn, like trial and error, like learning from (laughs) like trial, like I'm just going to do it. And that's how you learn from it. And a more like kind of like human way of doing it almost. Yeah. 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 And as the oldest, you don't have an example above. Right. Right. So you're just, you know, you're just being a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Just our kids. So yeah. Yeah. For sure. Very interesting. For sure. That's super fun. I'm the youngest. So I don't, I I only know, of course, because we only know our two experiences, you know, you as the oldest, me as the youngest, but yeah, I definitely watched my siblings, whether consciously or not, and just kind of learned from it um you know i i definitely think about it more now it, it i'm sure it's something you it's something you look back on more than like you were just kind of living your life going through it yeah. right yeah so it's interesting i love talking about it because it really does it shapes you into the person who you are you're thrust into this family environment you know whether you wanted to or not and and you're like oh it's kind of I've heard people describe it as like a forced roommate situation yeah like you were lucky because when you went to college you knew Josh like you knew you knew your roommates so um yeah it's that's but that's kind of what family is growing up you know you're just trying to do your best living with people that you were just forced into (laughs) right yeah and we had a like my sister and I still have a good relationship Mm. but it is you know um especially as you grow up um you know we were we're different people so we're with two different personalities so it's learning how to you know live together and then you know it's also weird now because we're in different places Mm. so we're trying to find different ways to connect um still because um now we're not forced now we're not roommates anymore so you know that I, i think you know you hear people that like once they move out of the house then they don't talk to their Mm-hmm. brothers and sisters anymore yeah, yeah. and i'm thankful for parents that, even like yeah for your parents yeah. Yeah. yeah and i'm thankful that we you know she will come to me with with things that she's struggling with mm-hmm. and you know we do have that kind of relationship which is which is good um mm-hmm. because I, i'm thankful for that i don't think a lot of people can say that so yeah yeah how much of it do you ever think about like having a a, a female sibling of it helping you now in your marriage like does it did that help at all or did it did it I mean I'm sure your sister and your wife are very different people but (laughs) they are very different people and that's what's funny is um you know they're like I said there are different you know they're individual people Mm -hmm. and so like even my my family is very different from my wife and her family Mm -hmm. um and and I think I think God 
orchestrated that. Mm-hmm. I think God orchestrates that in a lot of different ways. Yeah. But you know, uh, my family and particularly my mom um, has a lot of good qualities, but one weakness in our family, not just in, in her, but in our family is I don't share my feelings very well. Yeah. I like to like not say anything. I want to be quiet. Mm-hmm. And my wife is the opposite of that. Like <laughs> she will tell me what she's feeling all the time. And that's a good thing because I, I don't, we don't deal with like, when we have a disagreement, we have an argument, mm-hmm. we don't sit on it for two days or three days. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to deal with it now yeah. then figure it out, you know, not go to bed angry. <laughs> right. And, and that's where like, I, I don't deal with disagreement well. And she really doesn't. I mean, when she'll say, all right, I don't like when you do this, or I really like when you do this and not afraid of confrontation. <laughs> yes. And that is something that I need because, you know, I will sit there and let it stew for, you know, a couple hours. And yeah. that's, I think that is not, especially when you're talking about a marriage relationship, that's not yeah. what you want to do. Yeah. So. Is that something, do you look back as far as being in a military family? Is that something that's equated to that as far as like not really talking about it? Or is it more just how your parents dealt with not even their own marriage, but just like with you guys? Uh, I think, I don't think there's a lot. It, it kind of depends. Mm. You know, it, it largely depends on your uh, military experience. Yeah. You know, uh, my, my dad is uh, a lot more vocal about things than my mom is. Mm. Um, my mom came from a divorced family. Okay. So I, I think there's a lot, there are like, there is a connection to that mm. because the way that she dealt with that is to just like, she doesn't vocal, she doesn't vocalize how she's feeling right. a lot. Right. Um, shut down. And, yeah. Right. She, she, yeah. she tends to shut down more. And I think that there's more of a connection there. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I do think I'm thankful for the way that I grew up because yeah. um, they did teach me, to uh, we settled disagreements we didn't have you know we didn't go days without talking to each other or Mm. that kind of thing so yeah yeah well it's such a different when you when you're in a marriage I mean I've been married for three years you know three and a half years now which is crazy that's crazy um I know (laughs) I I remember when you guys were dating (laughs) yeah you do you probably didn't know Kat and I really separate from dating like you probably just knew us yeah yeah. yeah, I just knew yeah. you guys when you were dating. Yeah, Us together. That's also a weird thing about college is when you do start dating someone and you meet people like you people have never known me single and especially meeting in right. adult life. Once I'm married, people will never know me not married, which yep. is like another weird thing that I'm like, oh, I mean, that's the choice I made. But it's just like, yeah, oh, yeah, that's interesting. You'll never not know me tied to this person. Yeah, which I love and I'm very grateful for. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's interesting too, because as we've mentioned before, like your dad is an airline pilot uh-huh. as well. I'm wondering was, because I think the perception is especially even with like, um, with stewardesses and, stu- and, and airline steward stewards, is that what they're called? I don't know. Um, uh, flight, attendants. flight attendants. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Is yeah. that they're, you know, they're, they're not home a lot of the time they're gone. Yeah. And I wonder if, did that affect you? Is it like, was your dad gone a lot 
And did, did that affect you at all? Yeah, there is, you know, that is something that um, is, my dad was, I mean, every airline pilot is gone a lot. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, he handled it really, I think he handled it really well in the mm-hmm. sense that you do really have to be intentional as an airline pilot that, you know, I'm gone for four days. Mm-hmm. And so my wife is by herself for four days. Yeah. And so when I come home, like I can't just go out and play golf with my buddies <laughs> because I haven't been home for four days. Yeah. So there, and that, that took me a while to understand mm-hmm. because, um, you know, I need to be physically invested. I need to be there, but I also need to be emotionally invested in her yeah. while I'm there. Um, because sometimes I'm not there. So he did a good job of when he was home, he was home. Mm -hmm. Like he didn't, um, like, obviously that doesn't mean he never left the house or whatever, but he was emotionally invested in me. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't, you know, a lot of people grow up, you know, that I don't know the divorce rate exactly in, in an airline pilot career, but it's pretty high. Yeah. It's because they do what they want to do yeah. all of the time. And if you have a regular job, that's fine because you're, you're home every night, mm-hmm. but especially hurts when you're on the road Yeah, and they never see you. And then you get home and they never see you because well, I never- wonder if it's pretty high too with flight attendants. Like it is. And yeah. it's the same thing with flight attendants, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so you definitely really have to be intentional about, mm-hmm. especially when you have kids, mm-hmm. but uh, when you're married to someone, um, being emotionally there for them while you're there, um, and investing in them. So is that something you and your sister ever talked about growing up? Like, Oh, dad's gone, you know, five day, four days out of the week. Like, you know, how are we gonna intentionally, you know, make time or was it just like, Oh, that's what he does. So that's how we're just going to try and make it work. Or- yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I think the mindset was, I mean, that's just how it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to be really, to be honest with you, when I was in high school, he wasn't gone that much. Mm. Like, I don't really remember, I don't really remember him being gone a lot. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there, there is like, there is a sacrifice that you have to make. You know, you don't like, uh, you're not there every Thanksgiving. You're not there every Christmas. Yeah. You know, you're going to, mer- you're going to miss birthday birthdays. Yeah. Um, and so there is a sacrifice on the part of the family mm-hmm. where, okay, I know dad's not going to be here for my birthday, but you know, um, I, at least that he communicated to me and I knew that it wasn't because he didn't want to be there. Yeah. And that's the most important thing yeah. um, is if you communicate and you show to your wife and to uh, or your spouse and to your kids that you're going to be there for them when you're there. Yeah. And they're not going to question whether you want to be there if you're, if you're on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I think that's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Just something you have to be intentional about. And yeah. uh, do you think about that whenever you want to have, whenever you and your wife want to have kids, like being like making sure if you are gone a lot, like, Hey, this is not because I'm, you know, not 
I don't right. want to just fly away because I don't love you. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's something that influenced our decision-making on where we wanted to live. Yeah. You know, because there's, as an airline pilot, there's different types of schedules. Yeah. And so when you first get hired or when you upgrade to captain, you're, you're on reserve, mm. which is basically um, there's a certain period of time where you're on call and you could get called. Um, mm. And so that, that period when you don't live in base is really tough. Yeah. Um, the bonus to having, being an airline pilot is you can pretty much live where, wherever you want. Mm. Yeah. However, depending on where you live, it's going to make it a lot more difficult on being home when you want to be home. Yeah. And so we moved in base where when I'm on reserve, I can be at home. I don't have to be in a hotel room in a different state yeah. waiting to get called. Um, you know, so being in base definitely helps with that because my dad would bid reserve and he would be at home even though he's working. And so that worked out well for our family. Um, but you know, if you're on the road a bunch, um, that makes it a lot more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting too. Cause so my wife's mom, um, my mother-in-law worked for, or still works for a medical device company and she travels like all the time, mm -hmm. like four or five days a week and pretty much home on weekends. And that, that's just, my wife just was used to that all the right. time. Like that's what it was. Her dad stayed at home. And, um, but then now with my wife going to be a doctor and a, and a surgeon one day is like that schedule is also super <laughs> demanding and, yeah. and she's going to like, but that's, you know, that it's something that she loves and I want her to do. So, um, it's, and she wants to do, so it's, it's interesting too to have so many different things like fields of interest, but you can be depending on what you're doing, you can spend a lot of time because oftentimes it within any job, you spend more time at your job than you do even at home. Right. So, yeah. So a normal um, nine to five job. Yeah. And you spend most of your time with your coworkers at your job. Yeah. So, yeah. So making that time at home, super intentional. And yeah, like you said, like investing in the, in the, in the days you're home. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I had a captain recently who I, I didn't think about this way, but it really, really made me think about that. You know, we were talking about finances too. Because yeah. being on the road is tough with, with money. Yeah. Because we don't, we don't get food on, on, on flights. Mm. Um, so, I mean, we that get, it seems unfair. And yeah, I mean, I would, at, at, May, at Amer mainline American, their pilots get food, mm. but, we get Biscoff cookies and yeah. corn nuts, which is, I love Biscoff cookies and I will never not love them, <laughs> but you either have a choice of, okay, I can, I can bring, I can pack food and bring it with me or I can just eat out yeah. on the road. And so I, when I started, I did a trip where I, I just ate out on the road and I probably spent a hundred dollars in yeah. four days. Yeah. You know, cause most of it, you're, you either have to like Uber eat Mm. or you have to walk to the place. Yeah. And so Uber Eats is twice as expensive yeah. as a normal, just getting Chick-fil-A or whatever. Yeah. And so I was like, I can't, I can't, I mean, that's like a night, a really nice dinner with my wife. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. Like, so there is some sacrifice of like, all right, I'm going to pack chicken and rice mm. with yum yum sauce for four days and eat that. So that when I get home, I can have a nice 
dinner with my wife. PB and J every day. <laughs> oh yeah. And that's what I pack. I mean, okay. I'm probably going to get sick of it here in a little bit. I'll have to mix it up. Yeah. But you know, that's kind of a sacrifice on my part that I just have to yeah. know is okay. You know, I can't go out and eat whatever I want because that I could be doing that with my wife at home. I'm, I'm curious too, because so with your dad being a pilot, was that something you were consciously wanting to go towards as you were growing up? Or was it like, oh no, my dad does this. I want to do something different. And then it just kind of fell into your lap or what did that look like? Yeah. I was kind of all over the place with what I wanted to do. Like I had these big dreams of, you know, I want to be a Navy SEAL or I want to like <laughs> do this. I want to be a college basketball player. And you know, my parents were kind of like, yeah, yeah, you can do that. And then back <laughs> was like, no, you can't, you're, you're five, four, you can't play college basketball. So, <laughs> you, you can't know, be a Navy and, SEAL. No. <laughs> yeah. So I was kind of, I meet pilots who are like, I've always, you know, they sold it at 16 years old. They always wanted, they always wanted to be a pilot. And that's not really, I knew that he was a pilot. I looked up to him, mm -hmm. but it wasn't like, I really want to be a pilot. And so I went to Liberty uh, wanting to be in the military. That's really what oh, I wanted to do. Okay. And, um, but I wanted to fly in the military. Mm -hmm. So I joined RTC and like, Halfway through freshman year, I was like, I don't really want to be in the military. I did not know you did ROTC. Oh, my goodness. I did freshman year. Wow. So half, well, half of freshman year. And yeah. I was like, you know, um, and I, I still tell people this. If you if you are looking, if you want to fly, if you want to be a pilot, um, and you want to be a military pilot, there's you've got to decide early if you want to be, an, if you really want to be in the military you don't care what you do in the military mm -hmm. or do you really want to fly and being in the military is really cool, but you really want to fly. Cause I had to decide, I basically I had to make a commitment in RTC before I knew what I was going to do in the military. Can you describe for people that don't know what RTC is? Yeah. So our, there's different routes to yeah. do being an officer in the military. Um, and so you can go to a service academy. That's like the Naval Academy, mm -hmm. Air Force Academy. You can do officer training school after you graduate and you just apply for that. Um, or there's ROTC at a university. And so you can join, anyone can join ROTC. They also offer scholarships yeah. to better people. And um, so the idea is you go to ROTC, it's kind of like you're at a service academy, but you don't like you're still at a normal university mm. and when you graduate from ROTC and university then you're a commissioned officer in the military yeah um and to be a pilot in the air force you need to be a commissioned officer mm. so um ROTC essentially your freshman and sophomore year anyone can join and you do PT and you do like once a week or twice a week, you do, you know, military things, yep. um, formation, that kind of thing. Um, and then the summer between your sophomore and junior year, you go to like, kind of like an officer training school or like boot camp for, um, for officers. Mm -hmm. And um, that's when you become, that's when you make your commitment to being an officer in the, in the military. Mm -hmm. So there's a certain level, depending on what you do, it might be you have to serve the military for two years or four years. 
if you go the pilot route, you have, if you go to pilot school, it's like 10 years of commitment. Oh my goodness. That's a long time. Yeah. Um, and the thing that really, what I didn't like about it is uh, you had to make your commitment, but you didn't find out what you got until senior year. Mm. So you could make your commitment in the military and then, oh yeah, congratulations. You're, you know, a drone pilot and right. whatever. And I wasn't, I didn't really want to do that. Mm. And so I, I met some guys who were really gung ho about, I want to be in the military and I don't care what I do. I just want to be in the military yeah. and that's great. Um, but I didn't, you know, I really wanted to fly. Um, yeah. And so I got out of RTC and Liberty has an aviation program. So I was in that at the time and I was like, you know, I'll put, I'll invest my time into that. Mm. That's when I, I, you know, I was really, I was struggling at the time as a pilot. Like it was, it was a rough time. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to put hundred percent of my effort into that. Mm-hmm. And then down the road, I can become a, you know, instructor and an airline pilot. Yeah. So. Well, if I'm not mistaken too, with ROTC, you have to do some sort of STEM field ish, right? That's from yeah. what I knew from what, um, someone else in ROTC. And- yeah. It kind of depends. If you have a scholarship, you have to do a STEM. Yeah. Um, if you don't, um, you don't have to, like I knew some guys that were history majors and that kind of thing, hmm. but mo- some, a large percentage of people that are in ROTC have scholarships. Yeah. So they only give scholarships to people that have like engineering degrees or they're in science or whatever. Is aviation considered STEM or no? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I would say it's, it's, uh, I would say it's poor man's STEM just because like, I'm not very smart. Like when it comes to math or like, we do have to do some math, but it's not like most people can do that. There's, it doesn't require any kind of superior physics knowledge or anything like that. So I was going to say, is it like more physics, but it is more physics, but it's not like we're talking about the three laws of Newton. Like we're not getting into like the, you know, the weeds of physics or anything yeah. like that. So. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. I don't need it. <laughs> yeah. I like physics, well, but that's good. I'm so glad. Uh, I don't, I can't tell you. I took physics a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, listen, it's been a long time since I volunteer at a, at a, or not volunteer. My, my job puts me in a school. I work at a counseling agency and um, they put me in a, in a elementary school once a week and these kids are doing math. And I'm like, I haven't done math in like seven years. Like, I don't even know when the last time I did math. Like, yeah. I've got to use, I got to sometimes use my calculator. Like what is, what is this? Yeah. And I've seen those memes too, where it's like teachers in the nineties were like, you're never going to have a calculator in your pocket. And it's like, look at our phones. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Was your goal always to go to an airline? Was that like your ultimate goal or did you want to do anything else? Yeah. I, when I got out of the military, when, when I got out of RTC, that's where I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so there is, it's kind of a long road to get to the airlines, depending on where you go. Well, I'm glad you said that, Jake, because I really wanted to ask you or and have you explain like the road to become a pilot is so yeah. long because I worked for our school 
for two uh-huh. years and I, at a call center and I, people would call in and say, oh yeah, I want to do aviation, mm-hmm. but I don't think they really understood how long it takes to get there. So anyway, describe yeah. the training process of it too, because it is yeah. a long time. So for me and I, and every, every individual is different. Mm. So for me, it took me seven, seven years to yeah. get to uh, where I am now. And that included a furlough and some paid time off. So like that is not normal usually, but um, a, I will say a common misconception for pilots is that every, they have to have a bachelor's degree. Oh, okay. You don't necessarily need to like for the job that I have currently, you don't need to have a bachelor's degree. So um, you, most people go to a four year university um, like uh, North Dakota has a program. Embry, most people have heard of Embry Riddle. Embry Riddle, yeah, yeah. They have a huge program. Liberty has one. You know, there are different universities out there that do it. Um, you can also, I mean, I know people who just rented a plane and an instructor, and then they that's how they got their their hours. race, yeah, um, an hour. So essentially, you go through being a private pilot. Uh, which is the first entry level certificate mm-hmm. to then getting your instrument rating, which is kind of the second and then your commercial certificate, which is the third level. And then at that point, you kind of have a decision to make where you can go the instructing route and teach, get your instructing certificate and then teach to get your hours to yeah. the airlines. Um, or some people um, there's a ton of jobs that you can do as a commercial pilot, just like, I know guys that did wildfire management, you know, they would drop vehicles on wildfires. Um, I knew some guys that uh, did aerial survey. Some people will hire pilots to do aerial survey and um, that kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. the popular route right now is instructing because that's where the demand is. Yeah. Um, So you get your instructing certificate and you teach for, one to three years, um, depending on how quickly it takes you to get your hours. Yeah. And there was, I won't go into all the details, but, uh, the reason why it takes so long is because in 2007, I believe there was an accident, pretty big accident and Congress essentially came in and enacted a 1500 hour rule for Mm -hmm. pilots. And so everyone that is hired by an airline has to have a certain number of hours to get to that airline. Yeah. Whereas before it was just, you graduated that from school and then you went to the airline and, oh, wow. you know, and so the intent behind that was having pilots get more experience before they start flying. Right. Lots of passengers in complex jets. Do you feel so, that's better or. Um, there is a lot of debate on that yeah. with the industry. I, I, overall, I do think it is better. I mean, I, I think instructing really prepared me for, for the job that I have now, mm-hmm. but it, flying jets is a totally different animal when it comes to flying airplanes. Yeah. It's just, things happen a lot quicker. Um, you know, it, I describe the airline industry as like hurry up and wait kind mm-hmm. of, you know, there are times where like you don't do anything. You just, yeah. you know, you're in cruise and you're having a conversation because yeah. there's just not a lot to do. And then there are times where there's, so much to do. Mm. Um, and it happens really quickly. Mm. Um, but with that being said, I 
don't think that it's not like there's a magic time where like, Oh, I have 1500 hours. So now I'm ready to go get my airline yeah. job. Yeah. I don't think that exists either. Yeah. Um, so it, that's different for everyone. How long does that generally take too? Does it, is I, cause from what I remember, it, it can, it can be a 10 year process to get. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it kind of, it, again, it depends on where you go. So yeah. there are, there are accelerated programs that will get you to an airline fairly quickly. Mm. Um, I'm personally not a huge fan of those programs. Like I wouldn't recommend anyone for that just because um, I mean, anything accelerated in any kind of field is, yeah, you get the gist of it, but are you really going to be prepared for, for what's coming? Um, And so I don't think it's unsafe or anything. I just wouldn't, it's, it's made for a certain person. Mm. Um, and I wouldn't recommend anyone to, to do that. Um, I would, I would say the average is probably five or six years okay. to get to an airline job. Um, that's just in my experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of pilots today like commercial pilots that are from the military right like aren't a lot of airline pilots military were in the military yeah yeah Yeah, so they and that really uh, going back in the history of the airline industry most of those pilots were military Mm -hmm. so they got out of the military and then they decided to go into commercial Mm -hmm. um that is the other there's really two paths there's the path that i took which is when called the civilian route yeah. You teach, you instruct, you find different jobs. And then there's the military where you go in military pays for your training, you fly for them and then you move on to, to the airlines. So. I'm wondering if you can take me back to like the first day you ever flew in a plane or like flew a plane. I wonder if you remember, like, what were those feelings? Like what was, what is it? And then also describe like to like, I th- again, it's one of those things I think people could think they could do it, but like, what is the actual, like, I don't know. Is it, it, I think you've described it to me before. I remember in college, you were like, it is kind of like driving a car, but it's yeah. just like a much bigger car. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, talk about that. Yeah. It's very, um, it's very interesting because to answer your first question, I do remember the first time I was in an airplane and that was a, you know, and that was at Liberty. And mm-hmm. I just remember being like, this is awesome. And also being a little bit scared. Like yeah. this is, you know, you, you do have a feeling, especially in a big jet, but in a small airplane, like, you know, I do have a responsibility here to yeah. fly it safely or, you know, things are going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. But I, I, the act of flying the airplane is fairly like driving a car it's not in like driving a car in the sense that like we talked about physics, Mm. any driving a car, you step on the accelerator, you go fast and then you slow down by either letting off the accelerator or by pressing the brake. Right. right. That's pretty much how it works with flying it. There's just so many different variables Mm. with power, you know, that's your accelerator essentially. Mm. But when you change power, that also changes your pitch angle. Mm Mm-hmm which then changes your airspeed. Yeah. So, you know, it, for the folks a, listening at home, Jake is going up and down. I'm doing this, I'm going up and down. So, <laughs> so it's, 
to simplify it, um, you do one thing and then something else has to change. Mm-hmm. So you're all, you're uh, constantly changing things with when you're flying. And that honestly, first of all, it's hard to teach to yeah. students because they've never experienced that before. So you just got to go up and there's an art of teaching of just going up and showing them how, okay, when I pull out the power, watch what happens to the airplane and it goes down. Yeah. And so when you pull out power, you got to remember, okay, I need to pitch back, like pull back on the stick mm-hmm. a little bit to counteract that and that kind of thing. And it's just so like, I don't understand, I don't understand that because there's nothing else that I can correlate it to, Yeah. you know, their driving is pretty simple because there's not like any other forces acting on the car other than friction. Yeah. So, yeah. um, Yeah. So it's kind of a weird concept at first. Is that, is it then, is it true that the more experience you get, it's better rather than just like sitting in the classroom and learning it? Yes. Yeah. There's, there's two aspects to, um, to flying. I mean, there's the knowledge portion, which is important. Mm -hmm. You got to know how your airplane works. You got to know how, you know, you got to know weather. you got to know, I mean, regulations are a huge part of that maintenance that kind of thing um so there is that side but there's also a side of flying the airplane Mm. um and hand-eye coordination and just getting in the airplane and feeling how that that feeling of flying of Mm. how the forces are interacting with your airplane that's that's very important too Mm. and it's hard to replicate that Mm. it really is Mm. um so go ahead well, I was going to say too, so much, the one thing I think about when I'm, you know, flying or in an airport or so, so much is dependent on the weather. I feel like it's like, that's the number one thing you hear. It's like, okay, you know, we're delayed because of the weather or, yeah. you know, whatever, or it's either that, or it's like maintenance on the plane. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure that's a constant thing in your mind when you are flying, like, okay, what is the weather today? Like, is it going to change like all these things? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that is, you know, basically the two things that can delay your flight are weather and maintenance. Yeah. And so, um, that's where. And one is really out of your control, right? Like the weather is out of your control, but the yeah. maintenance maybe not, but I maintenance don't know. Is, it's just maintenance is tough because most of the time, like pilots aren't sitting up there going up. Oh, I'm so glad passengers can't get to their destination. Like we want to get to the destination too, because we're getting to the hotel. So you don't want to stay on the the tarmac for an hour. And honestly, I'm not getting paid for a maintenance delay Mm -hmm. because I get paid when the, when you're in the air, right? Right. I get paid for taxi and when I'm in the air. So we're trying our best to, to get to that portion. And flight attendants are the same, right? Don't they get paid only when they're in the air? Yeah. Yep. And so, you know, I'm trying to, we're trying to get passengers to our destination and, and all that. And so it's not, um, you know, it's not definitely not intentional. Um, but, uh, the, yeah, the maintenance and weather pieces, the weather is totally out of our control, you know? And there's, there's also, it's, it's difficult because different airlines have different rules. Hmm. And I know that different airplanes have different capabilities, you know, so just because you see like one airplane taken off doesn't necessarily mean that you guys should be taken yeah. off too. 
Yeah. It just means that we don't have the capability in our airplane or in our airline to be able to do that. Well, ultimately, uh, they just want to keep you the, the passengers the safest. Right. The safest right. they that's can the be. Goal. Yeah. And that's mostly FAA driven. That's yeah. not. Yeah. That's not airline driven. That's the yeah. FAA is telling us we can't go. Right. Um, right. And that's all directed at, you know, yeah. keeping passengers safe. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting. I the um, Vanity Fair, the you know news outlet, does this cool series on YouTube, um, where they take professional people in their field and they'll watch like movies or TV on that thing. Yeah. Um, so I was just watching one on like uh, someone that was in the Olympics and they were like watching Olympic movies, but I watched one a couple months ago and I'll put it in the show notes below so people can go and watch it of an airline pilot watching movies about, you know, where they flew and like talking about how accurate it was or how it wasn't accurate or something yeah. like that. I'll send it to you. It's really cool. Okay. Yeah. I do. Yeah, wanna, I do you should. Uh, yeah. And one of them was the Sully, the movie about Sully um, Sullenberger which is a great movie. I highly recommend if you have not seen it. Um, but it was just interesting to hear all of the different things. And I think he said something uh, along the lines of like, yeah, you don't really, pastors don't really realize how much um, thinking goes into it. If something does go wrong, like how yeah. much, how much, or, and, or how much it's out of, like you were saying, out of the pilot's control. Um as far as waiting for the flight or something like that. So, yeah. it, and, and also too, I don't think after that video, for sure, I, I never real, really not think about how um, not safe I am on a flight because how many hours airline pilots have to go through because I'm like, Oh, they've had, they've flown so much yeah. that by the time they get to an airline, it's like, I am, they should know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. And they, I will say our, uh, for our, our training record is really, really good when it comes to safety. Yeah. And our, our, our pilot training is very, very good. You know, we, I think um, in the last 20 or 30 years, we've done a really good job of looking at accidents that have happened, dissecting them and understanding why they have happened. Yeah. And then coming up with new ways, either like procedures and how we use and how we do things, Mm. or technologies that we need to develop yeah and um and that's like sully is a testament to that because sully yeah. that whole you know that's a testament to where we have all these procedures but it came down to his knowledge that he learned throughout yeah. his and his instincts yeah right and his instincts yeah. yeah and that's what i mean that's what we teach that's yeah. like um I, my my training at the airline and at Liberty has been really, really good. Mm. They, they try, they do really prepare us for almost every situation that we can yeah. encounter. Yeah. Um, awesome. So that's really cool. Yeah. We talked about it a little bit, but are there any other like misconceptions about your job that people have? Uh, <laughs> I would say the largest, um, the largest misconception would would be kind of with weather and maintenance mm -hmm. uh, atc does have does have a say in that too mm -hmm. just because especially when you go to places like charlotte or atlanta or you know all these busy airports um atlanta or, or, um, air traffic control controls that area yeah. you know so if, if we've got a delay because you know especially coming from smaller markets to charlotte or 
Atlanta, we're told essentially when to go into those airports. And so if there's 30 minute delay, um, you know, it's, it's mainly because of that. Just Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I will say, it's not really a misconception, but just a tip uh, (laughs) from an airline pilot to people who may fly airlines. Yes. Um, And it's not, don't fly American. I love American, but you can fly whatever airline you want. Um, I would say one, don't book on Expedia or any of these travel sites. Oh, interesting. Um, Mainly because if something goes wrong, um, the airline doesn't actually own the ticket Mm. because the way that, the way that Expedia and all these companies operate is they buy the ticket from the airline and then they sell it. Mm. And so if you have an issue, a lot of times in trial, we have connection issues, Mm. right? Sometimes we're delayed or people have tight connections and when you miss a connection, well, if you go to American customer service and you booked with Expedia, they can't help you because they don't own that ticket. Mm. Um, if you book directly with American, they should be able to help you because they have, it's their ticket. Yeah. Um, uh, the other thing is don't book tight connections <laughs> um, <laughs> because a lot of, I would say a lot of times, you know, our on-time record is in the 95 percentile. However, we do have that five to 10% of the time where we're not, nothing yeah. seems to go right and we get in late. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's a lot easier on your sanity and your stress <laughs> yeah. to look, you know, I would say no less than an hour. Yeah. Um, because then, you know, I, I can go and get some food. I can go, you know, and a lot of these, especially in Charlotte, if you're coming from a smaller market to Charlotte, you're going to be in the E terminal. Mm. And if you're going to like San Diego or any of these bigger cities, you're yeah, going to be yeah. over in like the B terminal. Mm. So you've got a 15 minute walk. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times we see people who have like, we're on time, you know, but they still have tech connections because they booked a 30 minute connection. Mm. And that's just a stressful situation. <laughs> yeah. So you can only do what you do, you know, you can only do your best. And sometimes that, sometimes you have to book a tight connection. Yeah. That's just the way that it is, but I would uh, try to avoid it. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, we've talked about it. Of course you're with American Eagle airlines right now, but do you see yourself like, what's your, do you have like a five year plan or are you just kind of riding the wave right now? Yeah. I, it, if you ask any pilot, they definitely have a five-year plan. <laughs> the way that a five-year plan goes is usually not how I want it to go. Yeah. Um, so I work for uh, a, a Mer- what you see on the, on the side of the airplane is American Eagle. Te- I, technically it's PSA airlines. Okay. They, they're all regional carriers. Any public service Michael, announcement. <laughs> what's that? Public service announcement. Yeah, public service. People ask me all the time what PSA stands for. I'm like, I don't know. It's yeah. not. It doesn't stand for anything. It's right. just a, just the name. But um, well, American Eagle. I automatically think of the clothing company. Jeans. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 They don't sell jeans. That's for sure. You don't. But, they don't provide. They don't clothe you guys. Like what a bummer. Yeah, I know. Seriously. You don't that get would, a discount. That would be nice. I get a free American Eagle. You jeans. should go into it and be like, I work for American Eagle. And yeah. Oh yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. I work for American Eagle. <laughs> my free jeans and t-shirts, please. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So I would like to, I think my number one airline would be American mm-hmm. um, just because a lot of the, the decisions that go into this is personal, right? We like, we like the Charlotte area. Yeah. We don't, we don't intend on moving from the Charlotte area. So Americans based in Charlotte. Based so, in Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, um, but I wouldn't mind like FedEx is another company that I wouldn't mind working for, you know, all these airlines have their different um, cultures when it comes mm. to pilots and flight attendants. Yeah. So it's really just, do I fit into that culture mm. at Delta or United? Yeah. Um, you know, Delta has the kind of like, like if you look at a Delta pilot, they look like their pilot, you know, they have the hat on, they have the double breasted jacket, American, you notice that most American pilots don't wear hats just because it's just not the culture. Like mm-hmm. most pilots, most American guys don't wear hats. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just their culture. So it's really just like, where do I fit in at the most? And I, right now I'm just riding the wave. Yeah. That's yeah. really like, I've been here for a year and a half and mm-hmm. I'm just kind of, you know, mm-hmm. enjoying it. Yeah. That's really- so I assume you're mostly doing domestic flights. Yes. Right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you, are you excited to one day do more international stuff? Yeah, I could see, I don't really, I don't really care if I do international or not. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's, it would be cool to fly bigger airplanes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, and every airline has different schedules too. Right. Um, the downside with FedEx is, usually, especially if you're international, um, you're gone for 10 days at a time. Yeah. Um, and the nice thing is you're gone for 10 days and then you're home for 20 days. Cause that's the only trip that you do that month, mm. but you're also gone for 10 days, which is quite a yeah. long time to be gone for, for a wife. And if, especially if you have kids, yeah. um, American has a lot of two or three day trips that, would be my sweet spot. Like two, I can do two or three days gone from home. And then after about day three, most of our trips at a regional are four days. So you get to day four and like half your lunchbox is rotten. Like you're just like, I'm, I'm ready to get home and just relax. That's awesome. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the sweet spot for me. I was going to ask you too, have you flown in like a pretty crazy storm at all or like around it or? Yeah, we, um, I haven't, uh, in the summertime, in the South, it's all, there's storms all over the place. Right. right. Yeah. Most, yeah. I would say most of the storms we fly over. Yeah. Actually. yeah. Um, is so that a cool sight to see? It is cool. Yeah. Especially yeah. at night. Yeah. Cause you see the lightning in the cloud and everything. Um, sometimes we have to fly around them. I've never flown, I've never flown into a major thunderstorm. So I haven't like seen lightning and all that. We definitely try to, we definitely avoid those. Yeah. Cause um, the goal is to get over it, I assume, but. Right. The goal, we, the goal for a flight is like turbulence happens. You know, turbulence is nothing to be afraid of. Mm. Um, th- those airplanes are built to withstand a lot, yeah. a lot of turbulence. So you know, but our goal is to try to avoid turbulence so that the flight, flight attendants can do their job mm-hmm. in the back, which is serve passengers. Yeah. Uh, and when there's turbulence, you can't do that. So we try to avoid thunderstorms 
mainly because they're not necessarily dangerous in the sense of hail or anything like that. That's mainly just the turbulence that is associated with, yeah. with it that we don't want to go through. So, yeah, I remember flying, you know, when we flew to Nashville just a couple months ago, uh-huh. um, it was raining. It wasn't even raining that hard. Yeah. And, it, and, and you felt it uh, while you were, while we were taking off. Yeah, and I was like, "Dang, this—that's a—that's a little crazy." But yeah, like you said, they—I'm sure they're able to withstand so much. Um, yeah, yeah, it's not—it's not anything. I've—I haven't hit severe turbulence in my career. Um, there are people that have, and we train for it. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's—you yeah. um, know—if you hit severe turbulence, you know the plane's gonna break apart. It's. Mm-hmm. They're, those airplanes are built to withstand a lot yeah. of stress. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Is it true the landing and the takeoff are the two hardest times or? They, they're, I wouldn't say hardest times, um, but they're the most times where you have things going on, mm-hmm. right? Because we have to plan the descent. Uh, we have to obviously plan the landing. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the times where it gets really busy. Mm. Um, so when you talk about like, uh, areas that mistakes can happen, those are the two times where er mistakes could happen. Mm. Um, and our goal pilots are good at, um, error management, right? So we can't just like everyone else, we make mistakes, we make errors. Mm. Our goal is to make sure that that error doesn't doesn't become a chain so we make multiple errors and we don't want to make a big error you know what i mean we don't want to shut down an engine accidentally or anything like that you know that would be bad (laughs) that would be bad but and so our goal as on the takeoff and landing is our awareness is heightened to not making big errors Mm. not making mistakes Um, and from watching that video i was mentioning too the if if they're doing it right if the airline they're you guys are always in communication with each other the pilot and the co-pilot mm-hmm. and then also too there's there's protocols for like every single thing that could go like you guys know it so well that yep. like even if something does go wrong it's like oh there's a way to fix it yep yeah those i mean i will say the airplane is uh triple redundant like so any of the electrical systems or anything like that, if one goes, goes out, we've got two others to cover for it. Um, and like we have, we go through extensive training on if something does go wrong, here's what you do. And you may not necessarily be able to fix it, but you can get on the ground and um, get there safely. Mm. Um, in normal, the airlines are really, really good at, you know, we fly, I fly with people from all types of backgrounds, you know? So, um, what inherently happen if you don't have call outs and procedures is people do their own thing because they're individual people, mm-hmm. but we do the same thing over and over again at the same time with this, with different people. Um, and so that's what makes, what makes the operation so like effortless because mm-hmm. we just, it doesn't matter who's in the left seat or the right seat. Everyone does it the same way. Yeah. Um, so consistency, yeah. it is yeah. consistency is key. And yeah. I mean, 
environments change, but there are certain times where we have to call things out verbally. Mm. You know, there are um, certain instances where we, um, certain times where we do things mm. and we always do it that way. We never do it anything, any, any differently. So do you have a favorite airport you've been in? That is a good question. <laughs> if, uh, what sort of parameter are we talking food? Or are we talking like, I don't know, whatever you, cause if there's one that meets all the standards. So be, my, yeah. my mother-in-law flies out of um, Atlanta, like all the time. Okay. Um, cause she's, she flies with Delta. So um, yeah, she Atlanta. loves, she loves Atlanta's airport. I mean, it's freaking huge, but yeah. Um, let's see my favorite layover. Oh man. Well, I'll tell I, you while you're thinking, I'm the, my favorite airport I've been in is Amsterdam. I don't know if you've been okay. to it. I've not been. I just, I just had a layover there and it was just so, it's also very big, but it was just so cool. I wasn't even there for very long. I was just there for like an hour. Yeah. And I just like, I don't know why I just enjoyed it so much. So, yeah, I do like, I do really like Dallas. Dallas is airport. I think Charlotte is, I'm not a huge fan of Charlotte's airport. It, <laughs> for the growth that has happened over the last like 10 years, they were not prepared for it. Mm. Dallas is a much nicer, there's a lot more stuff. There's not more places to eat, you know, built. There's a brand new international terminal. Um, that is really, really nice. Mm. Um, so if you you ever, do you ever fly into Richmond? Richmond, I have flown to Richmond. Okay. Okay. Cause that's where I'm from. So I go there. I've I've flown. Yeah. Richmond's not bad. Yeah, uh, it's small, but right. Not as small uh, as Lynchburg, though. I've flown out of Lynchburg. Lynchburg and... is very small, and I have flown into smaller airports than Lynchburg. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, me too. It's definitely. I would say my favorite place to go, normally, uh, is a lot of hotel driven. Like, right. A lot of people, you know, we stay in a lot of like Hiltons, um, and they're nice hotels, but we. Um, in the summer, I flew into Burlington, Vermont. Have you oh, been up cool. there? No. It is, first of all, it's really pretty. It's right on Lake Champlain. Mm. Um, and then you've got the mountains to the east. So mm. um, we stayed in a resort and spa. On and This was actually July 4th. So we saw a fire. We got in. We saw the fireworks. They give you a free pastry when you come wow. in. Um, and so this month I was like, oh, it's, I saw that I've got a Burlington trip. And I was like, oh man, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to go get my free pastry. <laughs> um, it's a resort and spa. So like you can get a massage, like you can. Do you know what a- it's called? The place? It's called, um, the Essex. Okay. I'm going to so, look it up. <laughs> yeah. Look it up. It is really, now I will say, um, the room that I was in, pretty sure it was haunted because it had that look of like it was oh, an old, good. <laughs> old, old time but you know you can get like it's it's great and they've got like a little farm out by it too so i was like oh this is gonna be great and then they changed the hotel because it's fall so everyone is like it was completely booked up booked yep, yep. and um i was like man yeah. but that is probably my favorite layover oh cool that's awesome that's awesome so, um, well, as we're wrapping up here, I do want to ask you one last thing of, do you have any like advice or yeah, just knowledge of, for people that maybe want to go into uh, 
airline, even if it's not going straight to the airlines, it's doing something uh-huh. else. But yeah. uh, in the field, what, what kind of advice do you have? Let's see. I would say if you're thinking about being a pilot or looking at uh, the industry, uh, take a discovery flight. Mm-hmm. Go to go. Uh, your local airport has a has a flight school that will take you on a discovery flight. And it does. I don't know how much it costs. It kind of depends on the flight school, mm-hmm. but they they'll have a, a, a flight instructor there that will take you up and show you the local area and let you fly around. And that will pique your interest on, mm. do I want to do this or not? And if you really want to do it, then put hundred percent of your effort into it. Mm. Um, that was probably the best decision that I made is just, I'm going to, and this doesn't have to be aviation, but yeah. you know, um, really lean into uh, what you really want to do, mm. whether it's career or hobby and, go after it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that would, that would be my advice. Just mm-hmm. lean into it and do it. Love it. So, Love it. Yeah. I'm sure I didn't even know about that. That's really cool that the yeah. flight schools do that. Yeah. And especially if you live in a pretty area, cause they'll, I mean, you can, you can tell them, Hey, I want to go here. And those are probably as a flight instructor, those are probably my favorite flights Yeah, because you don't have like teaching is great, but teaching all day wears on you. Mm-hmm. So when you've got a discovery flight, you're like, okay, I can fly around. I can show them the area. Yeah. You know? And a lot of times, you know, I've had people that are like, no, I don't, I don't really want to do it after flying. Mm-hmm. But most of the time we call it, you get the aviation bug. You yeah. just, you're, you're hooked on it. Yeah. Um, so. in, in, in the arts and the performing arts, they call it the theater bug. So I totally, you know, the performing. Yeah. So bug, huh? that's where like, you know, if you're interested in it, go and do it. And, yeah. um, and then you don't have to become an airline pilot, but yeah. it's a really cool, it's the most expensive hobby out there, <laughs> but it's a very, very cool. It's a small community as well. So mm. it's, it's really cool to be a part of, not to be, not to say that you're a pilot, but just like when you meet another pilot, you've instantly have a connection yeah. that not a lot of other people have. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's what cool. a cool thing too, because also I'm sure another kind of um, thing that people think about the, the career is that you, you get to see all these different types of places, which I'm sure is true sometimes. Um, but like you said, I'm sure sometimes you're just at the hotel <laughs> and yeah, yeah. You're and that is, experiencing the place you're at. Right. And it, it's cool to be able to go because at least you have the option to like yeah. sometimes, I'll get to the hotel. I'm like, I don't want to go out. But then, you know, I'm going to Kansas city in a couple of weeks and I'm like, I want to get some Kansas city barbecue. So I'm going to go downtown and get some barbecue. Yeah. So, well, there's so many people too, that have never even flown. Like they'll get to like my aunt, she was, I think she was like 55 when she first flew in a plane. And yeah, that's just a lot of people's reality because it is, it it is expensive. And yeah. Yeah. Um, which is a whole other thing we could probably talk about for an hour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Jake, of course, every listener knows that I do ask two questions at the end of the show um, to each guest. And the first one being, uh, if I was able to one day, unfortunately not right now, but one day hand you a blank check and say, use this towards your passion. How would you use that? Wow. How would I use that to my passion? <laughs> So a blank check in meaning like 
I could have whatever I wanted. Yeah. Or like, yeah. You could use the check however you wanted. Honestly, one of my my one of my passions down the road is to buy an airplane and teach people how to fly. Mm. That would probably be what I would use it on. Because I really, as I instructed, I fell in love with the art of teaching mm. and being able to see um, like you have those, like those hard students that just don't get it. Yeah. And then at, at one point they just get it, mm. you know, and then, you know, I've had so many students where it's like, I know who my students are, but they, re you really leave an impression on them. Mm. Um, yeah. I would use that. Yeah. Yeah. But, That's awesome. I love so. that. I love it. I don't know how much airplanes cost, but maybe one day we can do it. <laughs> oh yeah. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. So. so cool. Well, secondly, of course, what is something that you are loving right now? It can be multiple things. It can be one thing, whatever, you know, I'd love to end the show on a fun, positive note. So yeah. Tell me um, all the things. Well, I really love my wife and I have fell in love with the area that we're in, in Charlotte. And so we're in, we're technically in South Carolina. Oh, okay. Charlotte's on like the border of North and South Carolina. Um, and so it's like a really cool you lied area. to us, Jake, the whole episode. You no, know. I know, <laughs> but it, it really is like, um, basically Charlotte has two different lakes that it's right by. And so we live near one of the lakes mm. and it's a really cool, like lake community. Mm. Um, so that's what I've been, I've sort of, you move to a different place and you discover things about that place that I really mm. like. So, yeah, yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, I also answer this. I am loving, you know, I was thinking about it today and I was like, what am I loving? Because often I'll record, like I have one tomorrow that I'm recording. So I'm like, oh, I got to think of different things. But I think I'm going to say like an old man answer of like, I'm just loving the weather, even though it is like Virginia, you know, you, you've lived there your whole yeah. life until Charlotte, like Virginia weather is psycho. <laughs> It, is, it really is crazy. Yeah. It is yeah. crazy. It is legitimately like, you know, I've worked in the mental health field for a couple of years now, but it is bipolar. Like it legitimately is bipolar and needs medication. Yeah. <laughs> and it is. It's not yeah. like that down here usually. No. no. That's crazy. Yeah. So this, even though like this week of, as of recording this, it was like legitimately like 60 degrees for three days and then the next day it was like 80 degrees yeah. and I was like I'm sorry it's October it's almost November like what is this yeah um but the days that it is cooler I'm like yes sweaters yes like warm socks like it, it's just so I'm, I'm yeah. excited I'm hoping that it'll stay yeah in a nicer cooler um weather so that's what I'm loving I love yeah that. I agree with that yeah yeah uh, well, thank you so much for taking the time and being on the show. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks yeah. for having me on. Of course. It was so great. So, you know, if anyone's in Charlotte, you know, Jake will take you out on a flight. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I don't have the means to a smaller airplane because that's really, you know, airlines are good, but the heart of aviation is with smaller airplanes. Yeah. If you're but, ever on in a, an American Eagle, you know, right. Charlotte, just say hi, you know, he'll... Yep. Look up at the cockpit and see if I'm, see yeah. if I'm up there. He can give you one of those pins. I'm sure. That's right. Yeah. 
Yeah. I always actually, I've always wanted to get one because I never got one as a kid, but I'm like, yeah. oh, now I'm an adult. Is that weird? But no. yeah, it would be a little weird, but I mean, I'd give one to you. Yeah. We, well, you we, would because you're my friend, but yeah. But so, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, you guys know the drill. Check out our social media, passionproject.pod. Keep up with everything there. Um, you guys can support the show now if you feel so inclined. You can do that on our website, passionproject, um, dot po- uh, passionprojectpod.org. Oh, my goodness. I don't even know where we are. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much again, and we will see you guys next time.